0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Sobe here, continuing our social distancing mini-pod series. Excited to be joined by a 2012 fellow from Atlanta. Trey is here. We'll catch up with him, see what life is like on that side of the coast, and also hear his thoughts on all the things going on in the world. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Let's get to it. Trey, I'm always curious when I meet folks who did the fellowship a little bit earlier in the decade, if you will. How would you hear about NLC in the first place?
1: You know, it's really interesting. <laughs> uh let's see. I um a friend of a friend uh, that applied and didn't get in the first the year prior told me I needed to apply the the year I got in. Um and it was like and so I it, it basically kinda of went from there. We we I met a couple of the folks, I went to the mixer and um I guess the rest is history.
0: Yeah. And you've done stuff with the chapter, I think you've been alumni chair probably some other roles throughout the years what do you feel like makes yeah what do, what do you feel like makes the atlanta chapter special and unique cuz every time I, I see things on social media or, or talk to folks everyone always has great things to say or there's you know different creative events happening how does that all kind of stay together throughout the years
1: you know we're pretty close knit you know atlanta's big and small so to speak you know so we try to figure out a ways figure out ways that we can stay connected Um, I know when I was alumni chapter, we were always trying to figure out ways, how do we continue to stay not just as uh, a network, but more, I mean, we wanted to be a little bit even more intimate. We wanted to be closer to each other. We wanted to be at the weddings. We wanted to be at the promotional uh, dinners and things like that. We wanted to be in each other's lives beyond uh, the kind of grip and grin, uh, which we were used to in a lot of other programs. And so I think that's probably where it comes in. I think it's just, it's that embedded Oh, that embedded Southern hospita- hospitality in, in our chapter that allows us to uh, uh, do things that we do pretty well.
0: And I know the majority of your work has been in the nonprofit sector. Give folks a scoop on what kind of things you do when we're in more normal times, and maybe you're still doing it in these strange times.
1: I, you know, I, I don't know if we do have, if I ever have really uh, <laughs> normal times. I actually started. Um, I think I, st- I guess I started my career at the in the police department as a chaplaincy uh, liaison or within the chaplaincy department the police department, where I went out to um, I was with my with my mentor at the time and uh, representing the chaplaincy corps. So We did counseling when there was tragedy, when the officer was shot, or a uh, there was something going on, and so on. So uh, from there, I actually worked with Red Cross for a number of years in preparedness. So I'm like on. 10 right now. (laughs) Thinking (laughs) about that. I worked for there for about almost a decade. And uh, from there, I I actually ventured into national service um, where I was doing things with the AmeriCorps C and a lot of the other programs across the country um, with the Points of Light Foundation. So I haven't really uh, had a normal... Uh, life because it's always been responding to challenges within our community. Uh, so over these last 20 years, I can, you know, I guess twenty, yeah, you know, really? Oh Lord. Yeah. The last <laughs> last 20 years, I could say that we uh, it's, it has been nothing but normal or maybe that's what it is. The, the abnormal has been my normal. So now I actually consult, um, Um, And I still consult with organizations right now, with government entities, uh, state entities, federal entities on how to prepare, how to actually maintain compliance, and how to continue to work at a level of efficacy that uh, that works for everyone.
0: So, given that you've seen so much, where does what we're going through now rank? How would you advise, consult someone to whether the... The short-term pain we're feeling and, and what kind of things would you advise about the medium and the long-term?
1: Um, so I think as I remember, so this is basically, uh, I know we don't really talk about it, but this is basically SARS-2 uh, for us. I don't think it's going to, I really hope that it's not going to be as bad as the bird flu and H1N1. Um, I, was, I was at the Red Cross around that same time, but I remember that. So now I think it's hitting home for us now because one of our of the actions that we're taking, um, so the, self, the the social distancing is something that uh, um, I think is it's not necessarily new, but it is something that uh, when we talk about being being mandated and being you know being signed 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 as an executive order to make sure that we are doing it, it's something that uh, is fairly new for us. I think the other part uh, when I say new and recent history, I would say it like that. This is probably, this is up for us. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I would say I'm concerned, but I also bear, very hopeful. I think we're right on the, I think we're on the right track to actually, you know, pr- you know, slow down the spread or as we say, flatten the curve right now. And that's what we need to do. And so we're practicing social distancing. We're doing a lot of things. I can, can you imagine, Having to do this type of practice without the internet, without the communication devices that we have, um, um, and being as connected with as we were, you know, ahead of time, I think it would be even much of a much more of a struggle um, and challenge for us. I think what we're doing now, I you know, so I, I started talking to my clients and talked to friends and family about, you know, a lot, a lot of us folks, a lot of folks are actually working from home now. So I sent out a little bit of work work from home wisdom. Uh, one of the things I like to do is make sure that I'm always getting dressed um, every morning, even if I am working from home that day. Get up, get dressed, go through your morning routine, still eat breakfast. Uh, if you're working, if you're a person that works out, if you're a person that um, gets up at at the crack of dawn at 5 a.m. like like I do, please try to maintain those things. Uh, but also, I know sometimes when people work from home, they start to feel guilty and they work a lot longer hours. And so and sometimes that's not necessary. And so set those hours, those office hours and keep them. And then I have a whole list. And I started to really send out everything from eating. Make sure that you eat lunch, <laughs> silence the phone, get outside when you can. Um, I also think it's a good opportunity for a lot of folks now to uh, you're not in the car. So if you're not in the car to go to if you, if you don't have to go to work and you have to spend, like here in Atlanta, we're going to spend about an hour at least in traffic both you know and then in one way so we can use that as some time for our own enrichment our own growth our own growth and so look take a class take you know there are so many MOOCs that are available for you uh, to take an online class or read a book that you haven't um, uh, that you've been that you've said that you're going to read and it's been on your nightstand for the whole year so There's just a couple of things I think we can do and and help us, one, establish some normalcy that usually helps us get through things a lot easier when we can figure out what can we control and control those things, even though when there's so much ambiguity, so much uh, unknown, uh, so many unknowns, uh, we can do what we can to control what what we can control.
0: Yeah, all good advice. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what life might be like for nonprofits once this crisis slows down a little bit. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, one of the questions I've been asking folks who've been on and we've had folks from, say, public health or media or those kind of places, you know, this is a moment, I think, where there's an opportunity to think about resetting some systems just because all the systems are essentially offline right now. Do you see any potential large scale systemic evolution happening in the nonprofit sector based on what's going on now?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I just I was just on a call with a group of alumni from a, one of my other leadership pro, programs, and they were saying they're being figure out ways they can be even leaner. And I was like, whoa! I mean, in many cases, we're already running pretty lean. <laughs> so, what exactly are you doing? They they were talking about just usual, utilizing technology even more, uh, figuring out ways where okay, if we are if we if we realize we can do this work from home thing. Can we uh, do we actually need the space as large as we need? You know that that office. Do we actually need it? Can we be a decentralized organization permanently? Um, These are things that we're hearing from CEOs and executive directors actually as of right now. I think from the you know our uh, from a revenue standpoint, as as the economy flows. You know we 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 deal with the, we deal with the ebbs and flows of it as well. So as it slows down, we definitely will see people slowing. You know we we may see people slowing um, when it comes down to contributions, um, and that can be that can be that can be tough because we have to keep in mind that we are also on the front lines, and sometimes the. Um, The safety, we're definitely the safety net for you know for furthering any 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 additional challenges that we're having. So you know we're dealing we're already dealing with challenges when it comes down to homelessness and and hunger and um, education around around education, um, working with our veterans and military family members, wherever it may be. And so as we lose funding, uh, that means we may not have the same amount of capacity because we don't have the staff. And so that may be a challenge, but then it's also maybe an opportunity where we start to look at uh, we'll look at the the overall volunteer capacities of of our citizenry, where we can figure out okay, what can we do with volunteers even the more, um, and I think that's where we probably need to focus on right now. What, how do we create this ethic? You know, it's this 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 ethic of service and, and make sure that it's embedded. So what we're doing right now, and here's the other thing I'm seeing uh, in our conversations and people are do, doing get, uh, virtual gathering, people are still volunteering. And this is usually when we see a lot of really, really great humanity, when tragedy strikes us, disaster strikes, we see people, or as uh, Mr. Rogers says, we see the helpers. And when the help, when look for the helpers, because they're going to give us the hope. And so I think what we're doing, what we if we can continue to keep that that mindset, keep that heart of helping, um, I think we'll be okay. But uh, it's going to take a little while for us to recover to uh, where we what we probably say is ideal for us.
0: Yeah, well said. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the insights. I know they're definitely valuable to our alumni community that's listening. And thanks to everyone for downloading and subscribing to the Zag. Make sure to catch all the episodes that have dropped in the past week and a half or so. There's a bunch featuring folks from all across the country. And if you're really Bored and pressed for, I don't know, some entertainment. Make sure to download the 200 other Zach episodes we've acquired over the past year and a half. They're all there. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Get them where you get your podcasts. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.